In this lesson, we're going to have a look at express trust, specifically declaration. Now, in order for an express trust to be properly declared, it must be in either words or in writing. And this was primarily mentioned in the ratio of the seminal case of Ray van der Waals trust. Now, besides this, what you need to understand is, as per guessing and guessing, what is important is not really what the speaker or the person who is actually saying the words meant, rather what the reasonable bystander thought. So what's important to understand in relation to uh, the declaration of trust being in words or writing is that it's an objective test based on the reasonable bystander. Now, subsequent to this, there are several other requirements which need to be fulfilled as well. Firstly, you must show that the settler intended to create the trust. What is meant by this is whether the settler wanted to legally bind someone else or a third party to be trustee to the trust. Have a look at McCormick and Grogan, a case which is available in your case summaries along with both Ray Vanderville Trust as well as Gissing and Gissing to get a better understanding of this first requirement. Secondly, the rights must be identified. It cannot be ambiguous. Thirdly, the beneficiary must be identified. Now note, during our introduction and outline of this subject, we identified that there are three key players. You have the settler, the trustee, and the beneficiary. In some occasions, as we will look at in future lessons, there can be a situation where the settler and the trustee are one and the same. Fourthly, the shares must be identified. Fifth, the trust must be workable. You must be able to effect the trust properly. And we will look at this a bit later on as well. And finally, sixth, the trust cannot last forever. It must be finite in nature, either defeasible or contingent. Now, we need to identify at this juncture whether in fact a trust was created because you might have these requirements in place, but ostensibly it might not necessarily be a trust. So how do we identify this? Firstly, if it is absolute, in other words, if it takes the form of a gift, that means that there is no binding trust in place. Now note, much like the words uh, and the writing that we mentioned earlier, mere intention that another person, a third party should benefit, a beneficiary should benefit, is not enough. Have a look at Jones and Locke, another case available in your case summaries. Now conversely, if a particular transfer was to hold on behalf of another, for instance a trustee let's say, then there is a trust instrument. So what you need to realize is that besides this beneficiary component that we've been discussing throughout, the trust instrument requires primarily a settler and a trustee as well for that trust bond to be created. So how exactly do we find intention? Well, the most obvious and the most straightforward method of doing so is by the use of the words. So for instance, if in words or writing, a purported settler has said, I give my estate to my wife to hold on trust for my children, that is a very clear outline that a trust is in place. The very notion, the words themselves have been mentioned as hold on trust. But in most occasions, it might not be so clear cut and direct. So then we have to look at the context in which this was mentioned, the intention was purported. So for example, if there's a statement that goes on to say, the money in the bank is as much yours as it is mine. 
as in Paul and constants, another case available in your case summaries. This also indicates while a direct version, much like the use of words of on trust, as in the earlier circumstances, might not be found here, the context, the idea, is the same. Now note, however, that sometimes court is willing to hold trust for the greater good. There are circumstances in which it might be unfair to a party for a certain person to be unwilling to consider trust in place, much like in Choitram and Pagarani, a case available in your case summaries, which I urge you to have a look at to get a better understanding of how court infers and court steps in to make sure a trust is in place. Now, proving of the declaration itself is something that we have to look at next. The general rule is that any type of uh, details, for be it oral or written, is admissible when it comes to the share transfers. However, there are several exceptions where simple oral or even simple writing is insufficient. The first and most obvious is where there is a declaration for a trust of land, as per section 63.1b of the Law of Property Act of 1925. It must be proved by writing signed by an authorized person. So there is a procedure in place before a court of law or before any other body identifies that there is a proper declaration made for a trust of land. The other instance would be in the case of a will, as per section 9 of the Wills Act of 1873, where it must be proved, signed, witnessed in writing. So if there is no proof of intent, what happens? Basically, it doesn't necessarily go back straight to the settler, the person who's been purportedly declaring. Rather, the trustee takes the rights outright. It more or less becomes a gift. If the rights are something which is assignable, if it's something that is ostensibly assignable, then anyone can be a trustee. What that means is a settler is capable of actually bestowing those legal rights with a third party. However, if those rights are not assignable, then that situation that we spoke about a bit earlier, where the settler becomes the trustee, occurs. Have a look at Don King Productions Incorporated and Warren to get a better understanding of how this applies, the assignability. Moving on to proving of the declaration. If you are unable to identify, in that case, the trust becomes unworkable. So you must identify not only the rights, but the subject matter as well. Now, we must understand Based on the requirements that we spoke of earlier, the subsequent requirements of declarations, which were the necessity to show that the settler intended to create a trust, the rights must be identified, the beneficiary must be identified, the shares must be identified, and it must be workable and not last forever. We must go on to see how these subsequent requirements take place. Firstly, what happens when there is a failure to identify the trust rights? What exactly the trust is about? So firstly, who's the trustee? If the legal title is with the settler, then there is nothing that happens. The settler is the trustee. If the legal title is transferred, then the trustee gets trust properly. There's an absolute transfer, as per Harper and Simmons. Now, the next component is, besides the trustee and where the trustee lies, whether it's with the settler or with a third party, is to identify the beneficiary. This is by far one of the most important components because, as noted several times earlier, in order for a trust instrument to be in place, you need these three actors, the settler, the trustee, and the beneficiary. So where there is no charitable trust in place, there must be a beneficiary. Otherwise, there is no trust instrument, as per Ray Endicott. 
Now, in order to identify these beneficiaries, there is something known as the certainty of objects. There must be some sort of certainty, otherwise it does not become a valid trust. The exception being some sort of charitable trust where there is no specific individual or beneficiary identified. So in the case of a fixed trust, the settler decides in advance the shares for each beneficiary. It's quite clear cut. In the beginning of the trust instrument itself, the settler has fixed the terms of it and has identified who the beneficiaries are. So the trustee has to identify all the objects specified, then distribute. It's very simple. If by some chance he can't, at least one of them, then there's no disposition whatsoever. But have a look at Ray Benjamin, which is available in your case summaries, where it was noted, where it was held by their lordships that distribution must happen among the identifiable beneficiaries by reasonable means, and whoever the new beneficiaries who were not identified can sue the old beneficiaries. Quite complex in that context, but this is a solution which has been provided where while there are fixed terms that have been allocated by the settler, there might be situations where people cannot be found or identified. Now that is in relation to a fixed trust, which is the most clear-cut type. But what happens when it's a discretionary trust? In a discretionary trust, the trustee has the discretion over who should get what. And the most seminal case in relation to a discretionary trust pertaining to identification of a beneficiary is McPhail and Dalton, another case which is available in your case summaries. However, you must note that it must be an identifiable class of people. It can't be simply something quite ambiguous and subjective. For example, tall people. Tallness is a subjective guide or rather a benchmark that will change from person to person from how you look at things. Now, what happens if you fail to identify a beneficiary? Now, what this necessarily says is when, when there is a discretionary trust, there might be a situation where the identifiability, so to speak, of a beneficiary might not hark well for a trust instrument. And that's where we must talk about next, which is the failure to identify a beneficiary. Simply, uncertainty of a beneficiary means that there is no beneficiary at all. However, if the rights are transferred and the trust has failed, then a resulting trust might occur. So this component of certainty of beneficiaries is quite important. If, for instance, the settler had not identified in relation to each beneficiary, in the case of a fixed trust, boys and boys would apply. In the case of a discretionary trust, there won't be a problem at all because the trustee will have the freedom to do so. That was a quick outline of our first segment in relation to express trust, which is the declaration of it. In the next lesson, we will move on to the second segment of express trust, which is the constitution of it.